everyone, and welcome to episode 227 of the MTG Goldfish Podcast. I'm Seth, probably better known as Saffron Olive, and we have the full crew here this week, starting with the owner of MTG Goldfish, Richard. How's it going this week, Richard? Hey, Seth. What's up? We got we got some crazy news today. Unexpected news. <laughs> It's so funny, like two hours ago, I was thinking, oh, this might be kind of a slow podcast. We've already talked about most of the Modern Horizon cards, so I guess we can talk a little more about that. And then we had like two huge news stories come out just this morning, so plenty of topics uh, out of the blue. But before we get into that, we also have returning from uh, his... Are you feeling better, Krim, uh, from your sickness? Uh, good to have you back. I feel better. Yes, I feel better. Uh, good enough to be here, and it doesn't hurt to talk. So this, I'm pretty excited. And the news that we got this morning, especially one specific news, <laughs> has me through the roof with excitement right now. Uh, and yeah. I, I am, I am looking forward to, uh, our conversations on these topics. I think this is going to be an interesting cast. Uh, sometimes we, we are all hyped about the same thing. Sometimes we aren't. So I think this is going to be a fun one. I'm excited for this one. So our topics for today, we got three big ones. First off, uh, we're going to kind of wrap up Modern Horizons. We have a few more spoilers to talk about, maybe a little bit of like full set impressions. Then we have our big news stories, which are first off, a Netflix show was announced today. There were kind of rumors and we talked a little bit about some of these rumors before, but it is official announced from Netflix. So we're going to talk about that. And then Wizards came out with an announcement too about the London Mulligan rule being officially adopted game wide, starting with M20, and then Fishmail, of course, to wrap things up. So before we jump into these topics, a quick reminder that our episode today is brought to you by FlipsideGaming.com in their Richard Kane Ferguson collection playmats. You can check out new takes on classics like Decon Blackblade and Arcane Denial, and you can use the discount code GOLDFISH to get 10% off your purchase and to help support the show. So thank you so much to Flipside Gaming for supporting the show today. And with our sponsorship stuff out of the way, uh, let's jump into Modern Horizon. So we have a few cards we're going to talk about, but before we get into that, the set's out. What do you guys think? Where where are you at with Modern Horizons now that we see the fullness of the set? Oh, I, I am very excited to play with a lot of these cards. I mean, most of them, to me, like... I, I don't I don't know if like ninjas is gonna become a thing, but uh I, I am excited to draft ninjas. But um when we talk about like constructed and all that other stuff, I am exci- really excited to play with a lot of these. I don't know how much of it's gonna actually stick, but there's a lot of EDH stuff here. <laughs> oh, boy, oh, oh no. Yep. Oh Richard. Oh, Richard. Boy. <laughs> yep. Alright, hold on, hold on. Okay. I, I was called out last week in the comments. Someone someone said it's clear from Richard's comments that he hasn't played modern in like three years. So <laughs> that's probably not untrue. So, <laughs> that is actually true. But I I played like eight leagues this weekend. <laughs> okay, I I got myself stuffed by Jace the Mind Sculptor to Fairy many times. Like good I weekend. am now an expert on modern. <laughs> I, I, don't worry, I jundered them out, except I just dropped the red. You don't need red anymore. But uh, I, I played a lot of Modern, and uh, now I kind of see what people are doing. So, like Krim, I think some of the, um, I guess, bad tribes might get a shot now, like goblins, slivers, ninjas, merfolks getting a little upgrade. Uh, so maybe those decks kind of creep in, but I don't see anything crazy going on. And in fact, I, I think the most impactful card of the set will be the Force of... 
negation. I forgot what it's called. The force of negate. Yeah, force of negation. Was it actually? Yeah, force of negation. I think that's the most impactful card uh, we're going to see in the set. And then we're going to get a little bolstering of some of the tier three decks. Uh, And then, you know, there's going to be some broken four mana combo cards, but like, is that any different than any other like turn four combo deck? I don't know, right? So (laughs) it'll be interesting to see where the control decks go with their new toys. For me, I'm, I'm super hyped for this set just because it really fits how I like to play modern, really. Like, as far as, uh, are there a ton of cards that are going to be in top tier decks? There's a few. Uh, And like Richard said, some of the like lower tier tribes get better, but there is so many cards that I'm excited to build around. There's just a ton of sweet build-arounds, like Astral Drift is super cool, Ninjas is really cool, uh, Echo of Eons with Narset is cool, the new Yagmoth. there's like 10 different decks, at least, that I want to build featuring new cards, so uh, whether or not those decks end up being like stuff that's going to win a GP, like that doesn't really matter to me. I'm just really excited for all the new possibilities, because uh, normally when we have a set, you get like a handful of support cards for Modern and very few like actual build arounds in this set there's a bunch of cards that are gonna make entire new archetypes and like i said they're probably not gonna be gp winning archetypes but fun archetypes that are gonna be competitive enough for people to play i think it's gonna hit the sweet spot there i mean i'm definitely gonna like be trying like winds of abandon so there's definitely gonna be cards that are gonna be seeing some play like as you had mentioned uh, there's gonna be a lot of uh, pet cards that I'm gonna try to force, but <laughs> oh, I'm gonna pet. A, I'm, I'm gonna seriously force <laughs> so many pet cards. <laughs> but but like, I mean, like, are, what are some of the? Because I wasn't here to talk last week, so you know, I, I I'm curious to hear what you you're excited to play in modern from Modern Horizon, Seth or Richard. The most excited card for me. Guess guess what it is? Oh. Goblin War Party. <laughs> Mo- no, that was close. I I morophone. <laughs> this seems like a Richard. No, no, no we're not talking oh, about oh, commander okay. here. In modern, Spike Richard is yeah. back. Filthy casual Richard was buried this weekend. Okay, he's gone. Right, we're playing collector oof. Oh. Right, the the grizzly bear that just randomly hates out artifacts. I I don't know why they had to do this, but I think this and. Force of Negation. I'm never going to play a dirty blue deck. So Collector Oof is uh, is going to be wrecking people's faces, and we're going to restore the glory of uh, green-based mid-range decks to modern. And uh, I- yeah. No, no more hardened scales losses. I, I, I was so infuriated. I'm like, turn three, they're like 20 damage to your face. I'm like, what happened? Like, what happened? I'm, so, Collector Oof, collector stopping Oof that. Collector Oof is really good. I think for me, uh, the deck I'm most excited to build is Astral Drift. I just, I really love Astral Side decks, and oh, they're so much fun. So, uh, is it going to be a great deck? Probably not, but I'm definitely planning on playing that. Ninjas, uh, I've been working on. I think Ninjas might be a legit, like, tier two deck. Also, some Urza combo decks like Urza Paradox Engine shenanigans or Urza Thopter Sword shenanigans. So those are the three that are near the top of my list. But I also want to build like Renin 6. I want to build uh, or try Slivers with some of the new additions. So my <laughs> list is pretty long. Also Carrion Feeder Aristocrats is also high in my list. So there's actually like really like at least 10 decks that I'm excited to try out. Okay. 
All right. I mean, yeah, because I mean, there, there's a lot of cool stuff. Obviously, Grave Shifter. I'm just kidding. Grave Shifter's <laughs> art is funny, and that, that's that, that. Like, I do. I may try that for the memes. Crim's Krim, list is like Archmage's Charm Control, <laughs> uh, Force of Negation Control, yep, yep. Uh, a Future Sight Control. <laughs> oh, I'm so uh, excited for Future Sight. I'm not even kidding you. Oh, I love that card. And Kaya's Guile or Guile, just for the jokes. But uh, mostly, it's Kaya's Guile. And uh, like, yeah, I, I'm really excited to try Kaya's Guile. I'm really try to uh, really gonna try to force Force Kess. Uh, I want to try to do Kess with like you know Nico, new Nico Bolas. You know what I mean? So like, oh, <laughs> it, not a, not another Kess. Yep, deck. yep, yep. Look, okay, <laughs> I know, real crazy. Who who would have thought I would have wanted to do that? But there are a lot of like really sweet cards that I just never got the chance to play with, and uh, the cycling lands are pretty sweet. Uh, and you know, as as Seth mentioned, Astral Drift. Oh. I, I also loved Astral Slide, so I have to try that and try to see if that card works. Probably won't, but, uh, you know, like, it, it's nice to try. And, like, Winds of Abandon is something I, I just really am excited for. Yeah, Winds of Abandon seems just like a pretty solid card. Like, how many of those do you think you'll play, Grim, in your, in your like, whatever, Esper deck? Is it more like you play four pass and, like, one of these, or do you think it's something more than that? Well, I, I would say I'm more excited for it, mate, to try it at least, uh, out of blue-white than I am out of uh, uh, an Esper deck. Because an Esper deck, I've got a lot of removal. That isn't my issue, so. Um, I, I And I guess I'm going to have more because there's now Kaya's Guile. Um, but, like, Winds of Abandon... I think will be sweet out of blue white. And it now gives me enough, uh, you know, decent removal, uh, removal that like, cause you know, four paths is solid, but you know, sometimes that gets surgically extracted. Um, and that gets very upsetting when you get that extracted. So I need something else. And yeah, it's not instant, but the overload on it is also pretty sweet. Oh, also I forgot about this deck. I think if you combine together modern horizons with uh, the mulligan rule that we'll talk about in the future, I think that the the Tyrios deck is going to actually be like a legit top tier deck. I think Giver of Runes, like I played the Tyrios deck not that long ago, and we came up with two problems basically. One is discard, and you can play Leyline of Sanctity. Two is a a one mana way to protect your two drop, and Giver of Runes is like perfect at that role. So I would not be surprised if we <laughs> in a few months our tier one meta is like Neobrand versus Cheerios versus Tron or something and uh and modern is just a joy. Versus Ver- Judd. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Don't forget yes. Judd. And then Krim being the the, the blue white player. Yep. Control. <laughs> Oh, who would have thought Teferi and Jace the Mind Sculptor and Little Teferi wow. are good? <laughs> well breaking the meta wide open. Uh <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Let's talk about some specific cards, okay? We have a couple that came out since the last week, and I want to see what our take is on them. So speaking of efficient removal, we have basically like a Chain to the Rocks new card. On Thin Ice, White Snow Enchantment Aura, Enchant Snow Land you control. When On Thin Ice enters the battlefield, exile target creature and opponent controls until On Thin Ice leaves the battlefield. So Krim... You're talking about Winds of Abandon, but you didn't give Thin Ice any airtime. What do you think? This is one mana exile removal. Uh, I play Blast Zone, and often I'm blowing it up for one. (laughs) 
Oh, so uh, <laughs> I don't know if I want something that also get like, hey, have something back. <laughs> I think with the exception of being a snow matters deck where you actively need X number of snow permanents on the battlefield, and even there it might not be good enough, I think that card's just like stone unplayable. Like Crim mentioned Blast Zone, also like Assassin's Trophy, Ghost Quarter. Uh, we haven't really seen Chain to the Rocks be a thing in modern for quite a while now. I think Burn used to sideboard it at one point, like a few years ago, but uh, Don't forget just, Red White Prison. It's just way too risky. It's so easy to get your land blown up and give your opponent the creature back. Yeah, the land or the enchantment. All right. Yeah. Fine, fine. No no blue-white control with, with the nices. No, no, I think we're good. All right, next up, how about some goblins? We have Pashlik Mons, two in a red. It's a 2-2, two, two, legendary creature, goblin warrior, uh, when Pashik Mons or another goblin you control dies, it deals one damage to any target. Three in a red, sacrifice a goblin, create two one one red goblin creature tokens. I mean, I know you'll try it in EDH, uh, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> we're talking. I know, modern, I know, I know. But like, that's that's. I don't know. Is goblins like gonna gonna be good enough yet? I don't know. Like, I I don't know. I don't. I. I mean. Uh, it's not fast enough, right? To go in the little eight whack deck or whatever you want to call it, uh, like. Like with surge, like all the surge, whatever the the, the, the what's the card again? All, I keep forgetting all the all the bushwhackers. Yeah, reckless yeah, all the bushwhackers and, uh, and stuff like yeah. that. I actually think that it's worth trying in that deck for for kind of one reason. I don't think we got enough pieces to make, like, legacy Aether Vile goblins. Like, the joke is we didn't get the best goblins uh, in Wasteland and Port, <laughs> and that is kind of what makes uh, <laughs> goblins work in legacy. But I think that Mons actually does some interesting stuff for 8-Wack, because 8-Wack uh, is a deck that gets in a ton of damage over the first, like, three turns, but then it can be stopped by, like, a sweeper, it can fizzle by drawing too many lands, and if you throw Mons into the deck, probably not as a four of, especially if you play Skirk Prospector, it gives you this kind of, like, combo kill with playing cards that are already fine. Like, just make all your random goblin tokens, get in as many attacks as you can, and then just sacrifice your board to finish out the game. So I'm I'm definitely going to try it as, like, probably a two of, maybe, an eight-whack goblins, but I think we're still pieces short for making, like, legacy Aether Vile goblins work. Yeah. Yeah, it's nowhere close to Legacy Goblins, but, like, the biggest problem with 8 whack is you just get Wrath, right? So, uh, this gives you Wrath protection, so maybe maybe it does something, but uh, I am disappointed, you know, with the full set, we're like, maybe we'll get some more Goblin support, maybe they'll throw in uh, Rashad and Ford or something, but no, we didn't we didn't get any of that, so we have to go 8 whack for Goblins. Alright, here, here's the card I think is actually really good, but I don't know if it's actually good or not, so I'll ask you guys. Hogak, Arisen Necropolis. Five hybrid green-black, hybrid green-black. So eight. Legendary creature avatar, eight-eight. You can't spend mana to cast the spell. Convoke, delve. You may cast Hogak from your graveyard. Trample. I mean... I... No! I... <laughs> It's just one more than Gurmag Angler, except this thing is, like, immortal, and it's an, it has trample. This is the keyword, right? Like, Gurmag Angler gets chumped for days, this thing tramples over, and you can't spend your mana to cast it, but I've seen plenty of players cast Gurmag Angler with, like, plenty of graveyard fodder left over. I don't know. I mean, like, I think I think it's okay. I, I don't know what... Like, what deck do you see it going in? Hollowed one? Okay. Uh... 
Colin one, like some of the the old school, uh, you know, Grixis Delver, not Grixis, like Grixis Shadow type deck, like the decks that fill the graveyard that used to play Tassiger and Gurmag so, Angler. I think, I think you got to have Blood Gas in your deck, basically, because. <laughs> You can delve for five, but you do need that convoke for two. Like, you can't just completely delve it. So I think where I see it fitting, it could possibly show up in dredge, uh, as like in small numbers, because you can just dredge it in your graveyard and have like a pretty easily a turn to eight, eight, like dredge, get back to blood gas and tap them and exile a bunch of cards and you have an eight, eight trample on turn two. So I think that that's a possibility. Hollow one could work as another like blood gas stack. That seems like the easiest way to have the two black creatures and then maybe like some janky unburial rights, say, Wayfinder, like, grindy shenanigans, which uh, I don't know if uh, Modern is in a place where you can really grind out games with, with cards like that, but I think it's worth trying at least. So, I mean, an 8-8 Trample on turn 2, that's gotta be something, even in Modern, right? Like, it, at least yeah. worth trying. I, I don't know. I mean, I I would just really hate to draw this card. Comes like, eh, see I'm just gonna path it anyway. What do I care? You, like, yeah, it's, like, uh, it's just gonna get, like, path or something. It's gonna feel really bad. No, uh, like, it, it's it's okay. I think it's it's all right. I just I'm not like super excited on this card in any way. I, I'm more excited for the right. little. Gurmak Angler got disrespected when the the poor little zombie fish was spoiled. I'll show you guys. I'm gonna go like uh, Gatekeeper of Malakir. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's a whole cock. I'll show you. All. Okay. Okay. If okay. Yeah. The, the, then I I will believe. I will believe after that. Uh. All right. How about Hall of Heliod's generosity? Legendary land. It's rare. You tap it to add a colorless mana. One in a white. Put target enchantment card from your graveyard on top of your library. I really <sighs> like this card. I don't really know where it fits in modern, but it's obviously powerful. Like Academy Ruins is a staple. Volrath Stronghold isn't legal in modern, but it sometimes shows up in like legacy decks. <laughs> but you want to play? Like, it in yeah, your you would play Volrath Stronghold. So I feel like there's enough uh, history for this style of card being playable. I just don't know what enchantment deck. Like, what enchantments are you getting out of your graveyard with this? Like, that's my catch with this one. Is like, I just don't know how you use it in modern. Red white present. <laughs> when they kill your aunt the nice you put sure. it back yeah <laughs> or, or Seth if they blow up your blood moon you're like haha here it comes again that, uh, and that's true yeah like, I like you know, the sounds I mean, of that of and then and then you immediately turn it off after you play the blood moon so it, it's great <laughs> I mean realistically our best enchantment deck is Boggles but Boggles doesn't play enough lands to like make this like that colorless land is gonna hurt you so you can't really put it in that kind of deck Maybe grabbing your ley lines after they're destroyed. I, I don't. It seems Testing like your ley lines though feel, still feels terrible. <laughs> yeah, but I, I don't. Like, I think it has to be like a value card. Like I don't know, like a detention sphere or something. But maybe, maybe enchantress. Know. Like maybe I don't know. We have a lot of enchantresses in modern. Like maybe there's a way to try to make like just straight up enchantress work, and it would probably be really good in that shell. We have like sphere of safety, ghostly prison, uh, all the like prisony type enchantments. Maybe something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay, I, I mulligan my hogak. This is this is my contender for the best card that we're talking about today. Unsettled mariner. White and a blue, 2-2, two, two, creature, shapeshifter, changeling, whenever you are a permanent you control, 
becomes a target of a spell or ability the opponent controls. Counter that spell or ability unless its controller pays one. Oh yeah, this card is great. I I, I think. I think this card will definitely get play. I don't know if it's in the main deck, but you know, maybe in the sideboard. I, I do like this card though. Uh, for tribal decks, even, even the set's new sliver deck and whatnot. Uh, this, this is just a sweet card to have, uh, in any kind of like creature based deck. Yeah. Slivers, Merfolk. I think this is, this should just literally say Merfolk. Like Merfolk gets Akira at one less. Uh, Azorius Merfolk is not unheard of. Like people, people have played it. We have the lands for it. I think, I think you guys are going way too deep. Like, sure, slivers, sure, Merfolk. (laughs) Humans. The first thing I thought is, yeah, humans can easily play this. And then also spirits. Like, it is a spirit, and it kind of works with the staxy, disruptive theme of spirits. So uh, those, I think, are, for me, the top two, uh, the two top tier places where I could see this card showing up. Uh, Not that I disagree that it can show up in an... Uh, basically any tribal style deck because of uh, it being a shapeshifter and being a changeling. So, yeah, I think this card is actually really strong, and I would not be surprised to see people immediately... Also, like, Krim, I don't know if it's a main deck card right away. Like, just what do you take out of humans or spirits to put this in your main deck? But it seems great as a sideboard card, at least, to bring in in removal-heavy matchups, where, like, the problem with your deck is your opponent just one for one you into oblivion. Seems really good in those matchups, and kind of helps against, like, thought seizes and other, like, combo-y things that go to your face a little bit. Yeah, I mean... All right, Krim... Krim, close your eyes and imagine this. You're on the you're on the you're on the draw. Okay, I'm on the play and I'm humans. I go turn one champion of the parish. And you have drawn your celestial uh, celestial colonnades, <laughs> so you're a little sad. And then I turn two Thalia. Then I turn three unsettled mariner. And then you scoop <laughs> and go home sad. <laughs> like, I, am I supposed to enjoy uh, uh, this imagery? <laughs> is this is is oh, oh I love it. <laughs> It is so oppressive, right? Or imagine the opposite. Okay, I am Jund. They turn one champion, turn two unsettled. I can't even thought seize for one mana now. It's a two mana thought seize. It comes becomes a little sad, right? Or if I uh, Liliana and I try to minus, I have to pay mana. Like, what is up with that? <laughs> so this is actually quite obnoxious. And the fact that it's a human uh, makes it a little scary. But again, it can help merfolk. Goblins, if for some reason you're just sky goblins. goblins. <laughs> just sky goblins. But really, I think the tribes in this color would be, um, you know, some kind of collected company bant deck, spirits, uh, yeah, like, merfolk. I mean, merfolk, yeah, definitely. I've seen, I've seen, I've seen Esper fairies. This, do you, this fits. Do you think it's good? Es- Esper fairies? I do like that. <laughs> I do like that deck. It's fa- that. Have you seen? It's basically. A, a fairies deck running like to fairies. Yeah, yeah well, I mean, <laughs> I was like, come on, guys. I, I used to, I used to just play Esper fairies. Be I added the white though, not because of Teferi, but I was just tired of losing to burn. So, <laughs> <laughs> do you think uh, it's good enough to show up outside of tribal decks? Like, if you're playing Vizier Druid combo or something, like, is it enough protection that you can just play this in a random creature deck, or do you really need to be taking advantage of the changeling aspect? I, I honestly think it's just infinitely better because of the changeling uh, part of it. Like, if we just played in a random creature deck, it's like, it's, it isn't like, I don't know, like Thalia better or something? Just, I, I, I don't see this being huge uh, out of a, just a random creature deck personally, but I could be wrong. Yeah, I think, I think you're, <clears throat> I think you're probably right. It probably is worse than uh, Thalia if you're just trying to like protect and you don't care about uh, creature types at all. 
but it's definitely a powerful card. Yeah, like spell skite or anything else. Almost like. <laughs> yeah, I wonder what you can do with this. Like, I mean, if it it, it enables grave crawler, like it does everything, right? There's really weird things you can do with this card. So it'll be interesting to see if people slot it in places other than the very obvious humans. Uh, okay, last card we want to talk about. We have a, a mythic. Uh, Echo of Eons, four blue blue sorcery. Each player shuffles their hand and graveyard into the library, then draws seven cards. Flashback to the blue. It's a time twister. Like, if you're playing Faithless Looting, it's just uh, pretty much a time twister from your graveyard. I think... I think this card's... Uh, this is another card where it's powerful. Like, I'm very convinced it's powerful, but uh, apart from janking people out with Narset, I'm not exactly sure where you put this. Like, what deck does Echo of Eons fit in? It might be a card that needs, like, uh, its own archetype and a new archetype to develop to really take advantage of it, but it's easy to get cards in your graveyard, and Time Twister is a powerful card, so it feels like someone's going to figure out something to do with, like, a flashback Time Twister. I mean, maybe, uh, that sweet taking turns deck. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's cheap enough that you can potentially get up enough mana where you can flash this back and cast, like, a Time Warp or something in the same turn. That's only eight mana. That's not ridiculous. I mean, I could also just see them, yeah, de- definitely just doing something like that. I, th- th- that's, like, the only deck I could think of that would, like, I guess want it. I think we've seen at various times, like, affinity-style decks try to use, oh, uh, what's a bad one that ends your turn? Days, yeah, undoing. days undoing. The problem is, like, how does a deck like Affinity get this in the graveyard? If you're casting it for six mana, it's bad. You need to be able to get it in your graveyard for it to really be powerful. So that's kind of the weird mixture for some of the, like, aggro decks that might be able to take advantage of it. Krim, any consideration for playing this the fair way? <laughs> uh, that- let, let, let's say you're just guy control... You can faith this looting this, you can Narset wheel someone for fun, but you can actually make it up to six mana with, let's say, it's a fairy on board, and you can give your opponent seven cards. You're untapping with two mana, uh, you have Planeswalkers on the board, you have full control. Eh? No? I mean, it, I, 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 that's a lot of work, right? That's a <laughs> lot of work, but the good news is that if I play this out of something like my Esper deck, I've already got a lot of exiling your graveyard so you may not get anything back <laughs> so uh I, I don't know with kaya's guile as i said or Niles Spellbomb or whatever the graveyard hate uh, of the week i'll be playing but is it really worth it i have no clue i i i don't know if i'm playing out of an affair out of a fair deck ah but I, faithless yeah. looting then you somehow go to four mana to cast our set <laughs> you go back to three mana and flash i think back. If you want to play oh, it fairly, geez. I think I would rather see some sort of, like, Faithless Looting, Young Pyromancer type shell. Like, I think it's at its most powerful when you can empty your hand of cheap threats, hopefully faster than your opponent can empty their hand, and then you kind of naturally break the symmetry because you're drawing, like, six cards, and your opponent's only technically drawing two cards because they already had five cards in their hand. So some sort of, like, dump your hand and be able to take advantage of spells. Like, some sort of, like, is it Delver with Faithless Looting or something along those lines might have a shot fairly. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. All right. You you just, like, cast Niv-Mizzet somehow. <laughs> oh. <laughs> you echo there it is. <laughs> there it is. I've, I've fixed modern for you guys. Two. That is a six mana card that is triple red or triple blue, <laughs> triple red, 
And then also on top of that, we go Echo Eons for six mana. Yep. I like it. That's that's, that's like how it. you close out your games, Grim. You're sitting there at 12 mana, unable to finish the game because you have no finishers. <laughs> did <laughs> you, you, did you just say you played like eight <laughs> leagues this week? How often do you think that's going to happen? <laughs> Uh, so all my leagues ended with, uh, you know, turn four, someone was dead, and then that was that. And usually, usually, a Stranglerout Geist was on the battlefield victorious. That, that, that Did is, you that is play secret. the Stranglerout Geist? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh. Let me tell you, all, oh. my, all my years in Legacy getting destroyed by Jace the Mind Sculptor has given me a leg up in this meta. I'm like, Jace the Mind Sculptor, let me show you Treetop Village and Strangaroot Geist, my friends. Oh my gosh. That <laughs> let, is, let me show okay, you Little yeah. Teferi. Okay, whatever. Teferi still dies a Strangaroot Geist. <laughs> oh man. Richard, Richard, Richard. <laughs> okay, maybe I'm still filthy was... casual. Maybe it was. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I didn't know that was a card I had to worry about. <laughs> but, but for real, I punish control decks so hard because I don't know what they're doing, but they're playing like Dovin's Vetoes and random stuff. And I'm like, okay, whatever, guys. <laughs> <laughs> guys, treetop village, you're all dead. Have that, I, like, wow, that is just the easiesty game of Magic you've ever played. They're like D spheres, like, because they have four paths, right? You extract that, they're dead, right? So I'm like, okay, uh. cool. Uh, well, speaking uh. of a uh, of fixing modern, uh, Wizards has attempted to fix modern. Actually, uh, all of Magic, uh, segueing into the London Mulligan rule. So we got an article today. That the London Mulligan rule that was tested at Mythic Championship London, that's where the name comes from, uh, the one where you always mulligan to seven and put back some cards uh, when you're done mulliganing, that is going into effect game-wide starting with Core Set 2020, so the beginning of July. So uh, what do y'all think of this? Uh, we have seen the test of it. We have played with it a little bit. It was on Magic Online for a few weeks. What do you think? Good choice, bad choice, excited, terrified? Where are you at with London Mulligans? Love it. I've been asking and like begging for it to come back. Um, uh, like I think this is going to do wonders for all the non games that you're going to have. I mean, like, like it, it, as I said before, testing it in a format like modern where I mulligan to four playing a fair deck and still one. Uh, like that's, it, it's a good feeling. It's a good feeling. Yeah. So. I think everyone liked it that played it, right? And we have fears that the older formats will be weird. But the majority of Magic is played in Standard and in Limited, so I think it's a great idea, and I, I would prefer that over having, uh, like, split mulligan rules. Like, if they're like, okay, you know, Vintage is broken if we do this, let's just have Vintage be the old mulligan, and everyone else have the new mulligan. Like, I, I don't like that idea. So I think this is good. It makes games... It removes the non-games, and then if your formats are kind of broken, then just fix the formats, right? Like, if, yeah. if combo decks are too strong in an older format, then do something about that, but encourage more uh, interactive games. Nothing turns off a new player more than they sit down, like, let's play some Magic, and then I draw no lands, and I sit there and I die, and I'm like, this game is stupid. I'd rather have, you know, f a free mana crystal every turn like Hearthstone, right? So I, I, I am... 100% for reducing non-games. Yes. Yeah. So, hmm, I'm not convinced this reduces non-games in, in older formats. I think it does for, for standard and for vintage, and I think that's a really good thing. But I'm still kind of of the opinion, based on playing with the mulligan rule and also watching like the Mythic Championship with the London mulligan rule... I think it just creates a different style of non-game, where it's like, I mulligan for my combo, you mulligan for your rest in peace, 
and then everyone starts with four cards. You have, you know, two dredge decks that have ley line on the battlefield and no one does anything. Like, that's just as much a non-game as mulliganing to five because you have bad mana. So I'm skeptical. I, I'm still in the camp where I wish they had done this for standard and limited, but left older formats uh, alone. Because I still am not convinced that it's a positive for older formats. Well, where's your line See, for older formats? So modern, I think the consensus was it was fine, right? Because of yeah, the, I, I loved with it the championship. Modern. So then we start at legacy and vintage. I actually think modern is the format where I think it's probably most detrimental because it's already a fast combo format. Legacy, you have force of wills and other answers. Modern, you don't have answers. And force yeah, of negation. I think uh-huh. the general consensus on that from the pros is it's somewhere between maybe in the sideboard for Merfolk and Stone Unplayable, so <laughs> I don't know if it's a savior <laughs> that we're we're chalking it up to be, even though I was high on it personally. So Good thing I'm not a pro. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't Got I have my fingers crossed. Uh I do like that it makes mulliganing feel better, but I am anxious uh about the effect this is going to have on modern in specific. When I think about it in modern, I I absolutely loved it. When I what like cuz I I was, you know, uh playing playing it in London, I I actually just I it felt amazing being able to like just like the game I know that I didn't like win my matches in modern, but that's cuz like the land screw came from like the fact that I drew no lands after the initial opening hand, right? But I was able to mulligan uh, freely and then, like, you know, know that, okay, whatever. I have three lands and, like, a path and a push. That's good enough to survive an early game. So, I don't know. I, I, I like that. I, I I also think that, you know, being able to find something, like, for a fair deck, to find something like a rest in peace or a ley line to, to fight these unfair decks was very comforting. So... What are you uh, guys expecting as far as bannings? That was something that came up in the article where Wizard said, we know that this is probably something that's going to have to happen. No, we don't have like a list of cards that we're considering banning. Is there anything that you think with this mulligan rule is likely going to get banned in the near future? I mean, with depending on how consistent it, it gets the Neoform deck, something's got to go out of there. Yeah. I, I think that that would be near the top of the list. I also think Tron is probably on the watch list. It had the highest metagame percentage at uh, at the Mythic Championship, and it does benefit a lot from the Mulligan rule compared to most decks. So I think uh, I think that the the Neo brand deck is probably very high on the list. Although, like <sighs> Modern has so many turn two combo decks or decks that can combo on turn two, and even more thanks to Modern Horizons, like. Infect is going to be insane. Like, you're going to be able to consistently mulligan into turn two infect kill. Like, uh, like, can you really just start banning decks that do that? Like, how many decks do you have to ban if you're going to try to keep people from killing each other on turn two? <laughs> I mean, Infect also still, like, yeah, I get that you can definitely mulligan easily uh, to, like, let's just say, like, Glistener Elf land and, like, I don't know, ridiculous pump spells, right? But, like, that, you're still going down on cards. Mulliganing still hurts. Uh, and on top of that, like, be, like, the, I, I think there is going to be more fair decks running around even after this. Interesting. Personally. I hope you're right. Like, I, I mean, maybe, maybe I'm unnecessarily worried about it and it, maybe it won't be that big of a deal, but we'll see. I, I'm definitely nervous. Although I do think it'll be a lot of fun for standard and, uh, for limited. Yeah. I mean, I, as, as someone that plays Esper mid, like the amount of times I mulligan in that that deck is absurd. It like just has a really really janky mana base. I do think it's a little silly that 
you can have two ban lists in standard, but you can't have a different mulligan rule for vintage. Like, oh, another mulligan rule in vintage. That's going to confuse everyone. But <laughs> having two different ban lists in standard, apparently that's not confusing. So that argument is a little, a little bit weird to me. It's yeah, okay. I'm, I'm, there's no, there's not many people playing <laughs> Legacy or Vintage anymore. <laughs> but wouldn't that mean? I, I'm pretty sure I that's mean, part of the reasoning, though. I'm pretty sure Watsi's just prioritizing standard and limited over, uh, over even modern. I would say so to make those formats better and maybe the other formats slightly worse. I think is a fair trade off. Like, what's the harm in having a different mulligan rule? Like, who are you confusing if no one's playing anyway? Like, well, <laughs> you're confusing the guy that updates the <laughs> BNR <laughs> and stuff on the website? <laughs> well, we we have another topic, and then we have fish bail, and this is a super exciting topic. Uh, so, we mentioned a few weeks ago uh, the possibility of a Netflix magic show based on some documents that were, like, filed, some trademark stuff. Well, today, big announcement it is happening. Netflix and Magic making an animated show. And not only are they making an animated show, they have yes. super yes. legit people making this show. So uh the executive producers are Joe and Anthony Russo, who directed Avengers hmm. Endgame. Uh how do you know was they're that good? Movie good? Yeah, was, was that movie good? I don't even like that. <laughs> this is MCU. Are you, five, are you are you going to skip I, this too, Seth? I have <laughs> never seen Avengers Endgame, but I assume if you directed, like, one of the most hype movies of the year, you must be, like, a legit director. So even though I've never seen their movie, uh, also, the animation studio is the studio that has done, like, Rick and Morty, Teen Titans Go, Puss in Boots, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and the writers are Henry Gilroy, who did Star Wars Rebels, and Joe Malone. Lena, who did the Tick and Agent Carter. So uh, I don't know these people. Cl- Clone Wars. Clone Wars. Oh, really? Oh, huh, the article I think said Rebels. I, I, I don't know. Maybe he did. Maybe he did. I, you I, did I, both. I, did you do both? Yeah. I, I only know him for but Clone it, Wars because that's technically so the only you canon. all know these people, right? <laughs> like, these are legit, like, top-tier writers and producers and studios, right? I mean, I liked Clone Wars and all that. Like, it, it's... I'm excited to see what they do with magic, though. Like... It has. It's specifically the fact that they're writing magic. That it it is. It is a an interesting topic. I don't don't know. I mean, how how do they write it? What are they following? I mean, I hope it's Bolus or Teferi or Jace. But obviously, (laughs) uh, you know, I like surprise. I wanted that to be the main character, but I I don't think they're gonna follow just those. So maybe they do like a. the, The reason why I think they chose the Russo brothers is because. The Russo brothers have already shown they're good with an ensemble of uh, like a cast, right? Like a bunch of characters coming together. Um, with that being said, the, like that's that's why I think it'd be it's awesome to have the Russos like kind of like oversee all this stuff. Uh, and 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 you know like Avengers: Infinity War, the best the the character had the the best hero's journey was Thanos, and and that was the main villain, right? So that's why I think it'd be pretty cool if they did something that followed Bolas and it portrays them in a light that makes him look like he's he's obviously a bad guy, but maybe, but you know like <laughs> that would be far he, too complex for a magic story. I'm looking forward to this. like magic oh. story has always been so simple and so dare I say boring. <laughs> like if it not if not for the card game, you're like this story in general is pretty bad. So that complexity that you're talking about making kind of the the main supervillain, you know, basically a supervillain, uh, be human, right? And, you know, have a journey and have flaws and things like that. I think 
that would be amazing for magic i hope they can do it uh because so far we just had like haha i'm a bad guy let me destroy everything oh no i was defeated and that's like our story arc right so seeing this all-star cast right like there was so much name dropping in this article right like i mean yeah it's yeah. it's it's huge right like we didn't just get a cheesy low budget uh you know netflix special or series we seems like they brought out the big guns right all the big names it seems like there's a big push behind this and hopefully it'll be very good uh it can still suck you know but but hopefully not right like it seems like the budget is here and they're really serious about making this work yeah i mean and like uh, like like bardell as you said did do some sweet series and like i mean i i i love netflix is the dragon prince i feel like that's a, a show that not enough people talk about but uh like the the names that they have attached to this are absurd the russo brothers like are are you kidding me like that that is awesome uh but i mean that's because uh, they took, I'm a, they I'm took a, all that mythic edition money and they're I, like here <laughs> that is that is a-okay with me right now because this is this is what i've been waiting for i like this is the news i'm the most excited about um uh, this this is absolutely just yes. I I want so much I'm, of this. I'm actually just like kind of shocked at how legitimate it all seems because we're kind of used to like the last magic novel. Like there was a lot of like does this person like speak English type reviews and like big criticism. <laughs> so to go from like. Uh, I don't know, like, random writer who doesn't really have any cred or anything to literally get some, getting some of, like, the hottest directors and well-known writers uh, in Hollywood, that is a pretty big deal. Like, regardless of how it turns out, Wizards is definitely... Try- it reminds me in some ways of... Uh, of the Mythic Invitational, where we turn on the coverage and we're like, wow, like, sure, it doesn't all come off flawlessly, but you can tell that Wizards really put their money behind this and the effort behind it. And I feel kind of the same about this. Like, who knows how well the show will turn out? I hope it's awesome. But regardless, like, Wizards is really going for it with this show just based on the names attached. Oh, yeah. And, 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 on, like, the one thing I, I have to wonder about this is because of, like these these wonderful writers they got on it are they go- like i think this is where we start seeing uh, a little bit like how the marvel movies affected the marvel comics i think there's a chance the show kind of gives birth to new planeswalkers that and these writers they'll let them write a new planeswalker maybe into the story which will then eventually show up into the card game yeah, it'll be. I think I'm excited. Oh, yeah. I'm excited to see what a a like a writer like like you know like really wonderful writers come up with when it comes to the planeswalker. Like, didn't Dak Faden come from a comic book? Or am I remembering that wrong? Yeah, but I'm not gonna lie to you. I read this comic book. <laughs> <laughs> the promos were sick, though. <laughs> the promos were sweet. I love those promos. But greatest Steve in the multiverse, yes. Uh but. I, I, I want to see what they do. Like, I'd, oh, I, I could only imagine what, like, what the kind of planeswalker maybe they'd come up with. And of course, maybe, uh, maybe how they'd finally get to fairy and back into the right light with the, with the, with the media. Uh, you know, like, they'll, they'll make him feel like the actual hero of Dominaria. Uh, and, and I, I'm just excited to see what, oh my gosh, like this show, like, it, I, I am thrilled. What happened if it. on the first episode the fairy dies? <laughs> The, oh, the show sucks. Somebody who, 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 who do they even? Who, who, why do they hire these people? Who, what are their credentials? <laughs> Teferi is probably more of a villain than Nicole Bolas at this point. At least if you read like the arena subreddit, <laughs> it does say 
I mean, blue, blue would just be eroded out of this entire storyline <laughs> if, if it were up to the arena, just magic red. It, it does say we don't have a ton of information, but it'll be an all new storyline. So they're not just going to be retelling a story that we already have. And it will be based around uh, planeswalkers. So that's kind of what we know also uh, larger than any one world can hold so assuming there's going to be some like planes walking different worlds uh, different planes type of thing so uh, pretty exciting i don't think we have a time frame we haven't really heard when this would be coming out yet um, or has that 20 2020 that's all we know so, so next year sometime which is my biggest issue with this it is taking too long i already wanted it now like <laughs> i mean that sounds pretty uh, fast i'm i'm impressed i don't know the speed at which they do these things but that seems kind of reasonable because my biggest fear is they drag their feet and then no one plays magic anymore and then they release it <laughs> right so magic is kind of like at a really high peak now with arena and everything so kind of cashing in on that and releasing the netflix series asap would be pretty cool and uh, you guys are gushing over planeswalkers but i just want to see phyrexians eldrazi slivers just like these random creatures that we we've come to know and love but we've never seen them like they have no like you know they're they're not featured usually right they're kind of like the backdrop they're kind of like the foot soldiers in power rangers right like you, you don't really get anything so now we're gonna get to see them uh animated and uh, full of life killing to fairies and whatnot so it'll be it'll I be don't sweet know. no no <laughs> It might just be like a like a planeswalker romantic comedy. <laughs> oh, it's yes. like friends, but it happens yes. on the plane of Ravnica. <laughs> yes. Oh yes, that is a good show. That is a show I like. You know, whew, that is what I thought of when I thought of Magic: The Gathering, the TV show. <laughs> oh, like I, I I can tell you that with like I don't know this. This series is going to do a lot. I mean, I, I'm not going to lie. I, I was borderline about to cancel Netflix because I, like, watch nothing on there. They got rid of the Marvel shows. And then this happened. Like, okay, all right. I'll I'll, 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 I'll sub for, like, another two years. I'll, I'll, I'll see what's going on. <laughs> or you can I'll, I'll see what's going on. <laughs> yeah, wait, or, yeah. 16 months. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah, I guess that's true. But then I have to do it all. And I don't want to do that. So, like, I'll just wait. But now, now... I have a reason to stay and I am really excited to see what this new storyline that is the part that gets me jumping with joy it's an all new storyline and uh I I I don't know that that's that's the coolest thing for the first time I guess we won't know right because there's no there's no like story that's already out there that, I mean I hope not I mean maybe they pull parts from certain like timelines certain things but no one knows what it's really about yet so before we get to uh, Fishmail, which we got to get to, one more question about the TV show. So do you think this show will, how much do you think it'll do to grow the Magic brand outside of current Magic players? Like, obviously, Krim, you and me, uh, Richard, we're going to turn on the Magic show because we're Magic players. Do you think this is something that's going to uh, kind of grow the game outside of our of our clan and reach a wider audience? Or is this more like to get Magic players to watch Netflix? Did Pokemon, like, I, I, I got into Pokemon from the TV show, right? As a kid growing up, I like the younger generation of people now will, will like that are obviously like going to be growing up looking for a new TV show. They see something that looks cool. Like you've already seen how magic art looks, the design of magic cards. They look really cool. Like when I when I'm if I'm a young kid, I'm looking into that and I'm looking at this artwork. The every look the, the characters they seem like somebody I would use my my imagination and pretend I am and run around and be like right. So because of that. 
I think, yeah. Like, if the show is good enough, it will pull in people. Like, I mean, personally, I think it will. Well, the article seems to suggest this is adult-themed animation, so it's not meant for little kids in the same way Pokemon yeah, is. Yeah, but, I mean, I, I, I watched... Come on now. <laughs> I watched <laughs> South Park as a child, right? Like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I, I think this is kind of like... I don't think they're trying to get more people to play the game directly. I think this is them trying to expand their franchise outside of the game. So in the same way, I don't know how many millions of people watched all the Marvel movies but did not read a single Marvel comic ever, I think you're going to have... Uh, their goal, I guess, is to have a lot of people watch and enjoy Magic the Gathering without actually knowing the rules of the card game. Uh, same with Pokemon, right? Like, so many people watch Pokemon, they play Pokemon Go or whatever, but how many people have actually played, like, the main series, right? Or how many people have played the card game? Like, it, it, it not necessarily do you have to partake in every part of that game, but there are people that just watch the TV show and only the TV show, or they only watch the summer movie and that's it so i think for magic that's that's what's going to happen like i don't think they're going to try to sneakily teach us the rules of the games and commercial breaks or things like that i think it's just going to be here is adult themed fantasy uh in this cool universe with planeswalkers and planes and creatures and things like that and if you want you can play the card game but not necessary uh, yeah i i i agree with that i i don't i don't think like this is for the card game, but I and, and I definitely think it's just to grow Magic as a brand. But I think there will be more players. Yeah. Um. Because and like, because like, think about the new people that will watch just whatever the Russo brothers do. Yep. Uh. You have the people that just watch literally because the writers that are on here. It's if it's a good enough story. Well, there's also a card game. There's also the D and D line of like you know Ravnica stuff, right? Like this. This I'm gonna want to get into it. Right, like more and more and more and more and whatnot. Yeah, and it also bring back returning I see the players, price of like a scalding tarn or something like that. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, don't show them that. But people yeah, will see. Them that. <laughs> people will see the Netflix series and they're like, I remember Magic from 1995. This game still exists. Like what? And then they'll get back into it. So it's another way to kind of get kind of the kids that played Magic uh, in the early days to come back as well. All right. Well, let's move on from the excitement of TV shows and mulligan rules and answer some fish mail before we run out of time today. So, Richard, take it away with some fish mail. All right. If you have questions, send them to at MTGGoldfish with the hashtag MTGFishMail, and we'll get to your questions on air. So, first question, Mono Green Stompy. Hey, Richard, with MTG Salvation shutting down, any chance we can get a forum added to the MTG Goldfish website? Did you guys know about this? I just Googled this right now. Apparently, MTG Salvation is shutting down in July. Yeah. I, that's I saw a tweet. it a few days ago. That's yeah. a little sad. That That's like a little piece of magic history and where we get weird rumors coming from. And Thankfully, they, they are going to keep the site up, they said, in archive mode. So all the old stuff won't be lost forever but yeah it is but i think really like honestly i used to use mtg salvation like 10 years ago and then reddit kind of came around and i feel like reddit just kind of killed it and that became like the primary forum for magic players yeah like reddit, reddit seems to be the main forum for everything now reddit, reddit like, whatever, discord whatever and is. twitch chat i think collectively have kind of replaced our old school internet forums like that's not really a thing anymore so maybe it's just how the times are going but it is a little sad like you know years from now you're gonna have people digging up you know top 10 posts from mtg salvation kind of like we have like the dojo you know uh research things that people pull out from the past like so it's a little sad but i, I don't know about forums i don't know if people still use them 
JC Foxbox. Any chance we can see a commander clash where you all use Morphalon as a commander, but each run a different secret tribe? Yes, it's happening. Yes, <laughs> and they will be secret, so we don't metagame each other. <laughs> what if we all show up with slivers, huh? Wink, wink. <laughs> wink, oh, wink, boy. wink. Oh, not that again. <laughs> Uh, Desi Nohei, now that Modern Horizon spoiler is out, I am utterly frustrated that Watsi chose to exclude Counterspell. If their goal is to make fair slash control decks viable, neuter the degenerate turn 2 combo decks, why leave out interactive spells? Krim, what does the exclusion of Counterspell mean for control? It hurts me, but uh, I, I, I don't know. Maybe I, I'm not on R&D, so there's many reasons why I'm not R&D, but I feel like... Counterspell's a fair magic card, and I think it could totally be in modern. Um, the fact that maybe it's not here now, I mean, maybe it comes, like, if Modern Horizons does well enough, and which I assume it will, Modern Horizons 2, or, or maybe, maybe like a modern, some kind of modern eccentric set could see a reprint of it. Uh, I think, I think right now, maybe the reasoning is we, we're, we're waiting to see how the format shakes out after, you know, the new mulligan rule, all this other stuff, then we'll start adding even more cards to the All right, pool, right? choose one I, if you only had one in modern force of negation or counterspell counterspell which, which one would you take counterspell 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 you don't even have to ask me about that. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I would 100 percent take counterspell maybe that shows you the power but it a negate right like a negate isn't a four of if you made if you made it a one man and a gate okay maybe we can discuss but like i, I don't know like I, don't I, know. I, I, just, I see all these I, people main decking Dovin's veto for some reason. So, <laughs> but, but it's not like it's not like four up, right? It's like two, two, right? yeah, like a two up, yeah. And 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 I mean, counterspell would definitely be a four of, and I get that, and that that could be kind of annoying to play against. But I think a fair deck, like a fair deck in modern, having a two mana essential, just what could be like a removal spell, isn't the actual worst. Alright, MTG Warden. With Modern Horizons, it feels like Modern is turning into Legacy Light. This is great for people who like Legacy, but there are plenty who love Modern the way it was. What is your opinion on this, on what Wizards is doing to Modern? Oh, I don't think Modern's anywhere close to Legacy at this point. I I actually think that, my opinion is, Wizards kind of went out of their way to make sure that modern isn't too much like legacy like we didn't really get any legacy reprints we didn't get counterspell force will wasteland any of the cards even like lesser cards like baleful strike so we definitely got a lot of callbacks to old cards but i think that modern horizons uh kind of goes out of its way to keep modern distinct from legacy for better or worse i don't i don't play enough the older format so i i have I got wastelanded once and I stopped playing anything past modern. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I think Jace, I don't know. I, I think the powerful planeswalkers are what's making it feel a little legacy light, at least from a fair player perspective. Uh, but I, I don't, the power of legacy is each card is so efficient and it's, I don't know, there's just a lot more mental gymnastics you need to play. So, even though the cards look powerful in modern, it's still pretty straightforward what you have to do, in my opinion. Like, usually you can play one or two cards every turn, and then that's it. Whereas in Legacy, like, every turn, every move you make is, like, a crazy option. 
uh, at least it was like four years ago when I played Legacy. So I, I don't feel that Modern is at that place, but it does feel the same way when you just get Jaced out of the game. So I don't know. Uh, but I, I do think if you get Wasteland, I think Wasteland is going to be one of the turning points. A Wasteland and a Brainstorm type, like a really efficient uh, way to make your hand consistent. I think that's when you start crossing into Legacy Light. Or maybe you straight up legacy at that point. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> Man, Sears, Legros. Modern Horizons would be too much for new players, but do you feel magic is needlessly dumbed down? Shouldn't pay two extra games that isn't smashing two twos together. Kids are not stupid. We started with Time Spiral and Lorewind Blocks at 14, and we're not brain surgeons. Um, I mean, I think that it seems clear to me that Wizards is taking steps to try to make the game more friendly to new players. Uh, I think a lot of those steps are probably good things. I think in general, a lot of the changes, like legend rule changes and stuff, have been positives. Uh, I don't agree with all of them, but I think in general, making the game more accessible is probably good. Yeah, and I wouldn't yeah. say it's being dumb. Like, War of the Spark was really complicated. So complicated that I could barely play it, right? It's like, how many times do you run into some random Planeswalker static ability that, you know, gets your card countered without you realizing? Or uh, how many times have you played Farseek in your mono green decks, right? Like, I don't know. There, there are many of gotchus that happen in, in Magic. So making it easier, I think, is fine. Like, I, I think when people get introduced to magic which they want uh you know to be in standard and to be in limited it should be relatively simple and then we have core sets to help out with that but by the time you get to modern and by the time you get to legacy and vintage like it's super complicated and i don't know you need to step back and think as a new player like have you ever tried to pick up a new card game and then there's just like 18 pages of rules and you're like, I don't have time to read 18 pages. Right? I want to be able to get in and start playing immediately uh, or I'll just go play this other game. right? So I think it's important that it's easy for new players to get in and start playing, but then there's enough depth that they can keep learning and you know the game becomes an onion that you keep peeling apart. But too complicated off the bat just makes people turn away and do something else. It's like trying to play MOBAs or League of Legends or StarCraft or something, right? Like You need to know so much information up front that most people are like, forget it, I'm just going to go play the shooter, I'm going to go play Fortnite or something. It's so much easier than studying through pages and pages just to figure out how to do a basic build and get anywhere. I think the one time it kind of felt like that to me was the best of one justification where they said pretty much like sideboarding is too hard. That I kind of thought like... Eh, I don't know about that, but it seems like they've kind of backed away from their, uh, from their overwhelming support of best of one based on like MPL and stuff like that. So, so maybe, uh, that's kind of turned out fine in the end anyway. Yeah. Well, they tested it out and they're like, ah, we don't like it. And then they undid it. Yeah. Last question. A little cheeky. Do you guys think the London Mulligan rule will lead to a shift in open deck lists at paper slash online tournaments? I worry that knowing what your opponent is playing will greatly incentivize such knowledge thanks to the new Mulligan rule. Um, I don't think I, we know about open deck lists yet, right? Is that, that was, do we have confirmation that that's actually a thing going forward? Uh, that, I, I don't know if we got confirmation on that either, but yeah. I do, I do, I think it's fine. I mean, I, Makes it first so you actually have a, a real game. 
so so we had this we had both of these going on at the last mythic championship and some people seem to hint that the open deck list was a greater impact than the london mulligan rule itself uh and we did that for coverage reasons uh so i, I don't know but it certainly makes life easier as the fair deck right like do you keep your removal or do you keep your disruption or do you need pressure and you can mulligan accordingly without even knowing what your opponent is doing because you can see their deck list right or you know that they only run four path to exile so you extract that and then the game is done right so i think i don't know it makes it easier but i i like playing the guessing game where you're like oh should i name meddling mage on supreme verdict or wrath of god like what should i do but now you have a deck list right so you're like oh mathematically it's this right so eh. but i don't know i don't think it's too big of a deal either way though it just changes it slightly yeah i don't know i have mixed feelings about the open deck list part but I'm not super concerned about it because at this point we, it's not like there's been an announcement that that's like <clears throat> the new rule moving forward or anything. So uh, if we, if we get to that point, then I guess we'll cross that bridge when it comes to it. For me, I just mostly dislike that it does like make it harder to play unique decks or rogue decks. Like, cause the main reason to play a rogue deck is because you can catch people by surprise. So I think that's, it might like take some of the diversity out of the meta because if you have open deck lists all the time, so that would be my concern, but I think it does improve coverage, and in a world of esports, coverage is important, so it might be a worthy trade-off. I, I, I'm just pretty much in a agreement with us, like Seth on the last bit there. It, in a world of esports and stuff, it's great for coverage, so that's why I think it's fine. And plus, I mean, I no longer get to do the thing where if my opponent goes turn one Tron land, I concede and go to game two and just go right to sideboarding and have them not know what I'm playing. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I lose uh, that. Yes. I lose that. It, but but and I did that a lot. I'm not kidding. It doesn't matter what like <laughs> whatever it was like. A, a, a it was a magic fest. Like at a GP, doesn't matter. Round 13, I'll concede. Let's go to game two. <laughs> that's that's hilarious. I mean, I I do that, but it's more of the shame keep. I'm like, I don't want the thought sees me. I'm like, I don't want to. I don't want you to see <laughs> what I've kept. I'll just I'll just I'll just scoop and go to the next game. <laughs> oh yeah, see my, that is that is not that is not me. Wow, this this person really kept a a one lander. Okay, cool, cool, cool. One lander, a bunch of four drops. All right, let's go. <laughs> you never know. I could just draw three lands in a row. It's fine. Oh, oh, okay. With the new sky rule, it's more likely, right? It's fine. <laughs> you're right. You're right. You're right. <laughs> All right, that's our fish mill for this week. Thank you to everyone who sent them in. If you have questions, send them to at mtggoldfish with the hashtag mtgfishmail, and we'll get to your questions. Anyway, I think that brings us to the end of episode 227 of the MTG Goldfish podcast. So, Richard Grimm, thanks for hanging out. Thanks to everyone for listening. Thanks to FlipsideGaming.com for supporting the show. And yeah, we'll be back next week to talk about whatever's going on in the world of magic. So, until then, have a wonderful week. And this is the crew signing out. Bye.